Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is October 9th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I am uh, I'm doing good. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. It is. How you doing? Well, it's Friday. That's non-responsive to the question, but that's kind of the office banter where we no longer have to be a part of anymore. Uh, I have a quick, quick, some business at the top, right? How many bags of coffee do you owe now? You keep forgetting about the new oh, sub God. stuff. I keep forgetting I to bring it up list. to you. I what? didn't get the list again. Okay. So what are we up to? Three, four I, bags, four or five bags? I think it's like probably six. I don't even remember when that thing started. It had to be two weeks ago. I no, it's not that long ago. All right. So let's get that list. Like You'll get, two weeks we're, we're, the, the toll is still running. The clock's still running on that. So you got to get more free bags from out of Andy's pocket. Secondly, business. The wine giveaway, birthday giveaway ended at the end of September. We are still, we're talking to our friends with Smith Devereaux, figure out our own blend, all that. But the birthday giveaway only went through the end of September. I've had some questions about that. Why didn't I get a call out? Why was my sucks, email response? Sucks to? for October birthdays. Yeah, I'm sorry. So that really, was it. Really rough, rough uh, hand dealt to the October babies. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, and last but not least, we, if you're listening to this Friday, we'll have the new logo merchandise released around noon central time the fake noon as i was calling it today on a text uh what do we have we have new logo it's nice the sgs microphone around there's a, no a gun golf there is no gun there's no firearm on it now some people you know just try to make logo for everybody some people didn't like the firearm on it or some people's so i like this new one like the fire i like this new one more anyways do you? Uh, they're both. No one's good. The other one's not going away. It's not going away. It's just another logo. It's an alternate logo, so to speak. The microphone's got... unplugged. That's a yep. nice little Jason yep. Page. Uh, yep. Jason great Page. Job with the, Shout with out the to logo. Jason Page. Yes. Yes. So we'll have T-shirts, regular old T-shirts, uh, hats of many different colors with the logo down the middle. We'll have beanies. Is that is that the appropriate term? Winter hats, I don't knit know. caps, stocking caps. I don't know what. They I got a really. I, slick... Do they have the little poof on them? I think one of them has the poof, but others don't. We need Will Knights are, for this are you segment. In on the We're puff? lost. Do you like? I'm in on the puff. puff. Me too. Yeah, I like the puff. But there's a white one that I'm, I I might have pulled out. I usually don't pull things out of inventory. I might ask for a white knit hat. You don't get enough of those winter cap. Uh, what else do we have? Tervis tumblers. The coffee mugs are back in stock. A lot of questions about when coffee, coffee golf mugs will be back in stock. Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central. And also, maybe, if you're on the site at the right time, might be available. Mr. Thick Boy, a little Mr. 62, a Thick Boy cap with the beaker of chocolate milk. Those may be available, too. Did I cover everything? T-shirts, hats, Look at, hats, look at how hats. commercialized we are. I know. I know. Listen. I would be Will puts in all this work dealing with all our nonsense. We got to at least shout it out. I think that's what, so, so that takes care of all the business, but transitioning to the man who shot 62 Bryson DeChambeau. He's not the event of the week. The women's PGA is the event of the week, but he finished off, you know, this afternoon, any reaction to this? What'd you say? He had five, two putts for birdies. Yeah. Five, two putts for birdies. I'm beginning to think that this is a trend when he cuts down the nets he feels good going into the week, and maybe maybe it's a sign that he's going to win. I don't know. I mean, he's a, only one shot up, but uh, yeah, pretty dominant round. Just... We're recording early here. Patrick Cantley's still on the course. He went low. I don't know if he's still going low, but uh, this is going to be a short segment off the top because we have a long, great interview with Kevin Clark of the Rainer uh, talking Browns, Bears, golf, how he got into golf. It's pretty fun, a little different for, than you're used to maybe. But uh, a good good Friday segment, in our opinion. Which, in our opinion. 
I mean, he was good. We're we're still terrible. He was good, is what I want to say. Uh, yeah. So Bryson leads. It's always, it's always fun. I you know this is the first time I've got to talk to one of my my favorite podcasters that I listen to. Right. You know, right. A little crossover pod. Yeah, that's not bad. What other podcast do you listen to that could be like really weird? I mean, Kevin understands golf. Is there I, anyone uh, that just be totally out of left field? Oh yeah, Zach Lowe admits that he knows nothing about golf. Okay, that could be a good one. That yeah. could be a good one. Uh, okay. We're all over, but we're just trying to get through it quickly. We get to Kevin Bryson leads Austin Cook and Harold Varner the third by a shot in the women's PGA, which was a great, perfect, perfect afternoon watch. I suggested doing this on Friday. You know, shirk whatever responsibilities or work you have to do and watch uh, the women at Aronimic and Saturday and Sunday. I, I know. I'm just talking about the immediate day, of course. Brittany Linscombe leads. She uh, with Kelly Tan, they are tied at three under some good stuff. I saw some highlights you were sharing uh, using the ground and Van Dam. Just those are the kind of highlights you, you get this on the afternoon golf watching the women's PGA. The uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's I'm I'm excited for the weekend. You know, one thing I I feel like KPMG needs to give Stacy Lewis a cohort. You know, there needs to be another KPMG rep player out there are you talking about like the rbc like mafia on the men's side or something yeah like that? The, she's having to do like eight thousand interviews activation yeah i, I see every time I, I turn the tv on she's having another interview about kpmg and all the great i'm sure they're they're doing great things with this championship but how is she supposed to play good golf when Kinda all sucks. she's ha- having to do is interview after interview kind of sucks for a major you know yeah I mean, I'm that's sure what ricky, I'm saying. ricky would be up for it but you know other people trying to win the major not just cash the sponsors dollars yeah they it, need to they need to sign up like three or four or five other women that that can spread the spread the uh responsibility the, around activation around yeah all right so that's event of the week that's going uh off to a hot start excited for the weekend there We'll talk more about their Sunday tea time schedule in a minute. Yeah. On the European, Lydia Ko in the mix, Danielle Kang. I mean, yeah, it's a great leaderboard, fantastic leaderboard. On the uh, European tour, Wentworth, Justin Harding, Audrey Arnaus, and Tyrrell Hatton lead at six under. That'll all change by the time you listen to this, anyways. So, any reaction to Wentworth? I didn't watch much, so I don't really okay. Know Perf- great coffee golf. Patrick Reed is it's two a, under. It's an incredible golf weekend, really. Like- I. And I, what I love about it is that like the times are staggered. Yes. That's when it works out. Like I could match right up. Yes, it's perfect. I don't know if the SAS championship on the Champions Tour might get my attention, but the other three. It I just, was scrolling it really Golf Week, and uh, this might get your attention. This might be a reason to tune in. Yeah, Jim Furyk is chasing history on the oh, Champions God. Tour, and he's looking to become the first player to win his first three starts on the Champs Tour. Really, he's gone two for two. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. He's gonna just be making a you must not be you the... must not be doing well in your one and done league, <laughs> champions tour one and done league. Has anyone ever won the Schwab Cup after starting this their career at like August? It's a good question. You know? Not a lot well, of people. Just... I mean, he's being aided by pandemic year too. Can we get Justin Ray on that? Get some Schwab Cup minutia. I bet stats? the anchorman's a little bitter. Why? Because he, he didn't get the head start he, he would have uh, enjoyed, you know, with the without COVID, you know. Yeah, he goes away usually when the governing body championships start to come into play, <laughs> right? That's when his lead starts to sort of dwindle and the, the microscope gets a little more dialed in on that chest area on those <laughs> those late early summer, late summer championships. The, um, it's the, uh, the champions tour sanctioned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are your events where they stand. Let's go through some news real quick before we get to Kevin Bryson. Just absolute comic book character. He says he's been inspired by happy Gilmore. His driver is the funnest, his most fun club in the bag. He watched happy Gilmore a little while ago and it just re-inspired him to try and hit it as far as possible. You think like Ben Hogan, Nicholas, they were getting inspiration from the latest comedy movies that that's what drove them to strategize. I, get you better? know, how close it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable a, that you could just swing as hard as you can. And, and, and 
I mean, he's very talented. Hey, there might be less like pumpkin picking going on with the pandemic, you know, the Instagramming and your flannels and duck boots going around. But whatever dearth of that on social media is being replaced by track band numbers, speed wars. Uh, Again, new ones today. DJ. A DJ, I figured, just would be Mr. You know, DGAF, don't care about this. I think Claude Harmon is posting 192. If the game is just reduced to guys on a range putting up whatever high number they can put up. DJ, the last person I expect to enter the speed wars. But that's the social media phenomenon of the fall. I think we need to get Zach Blair to enter the speed war. I'm going to text him tomorrow. See if see if we can get him to enter the speed war. Start posting the track man numbers. I would love that. That would be perfect. (laughs) With a hashtag chasing 190. (laughs) That would be good. I think BG entered the the speed wars last year. Who? Brian Brian Gay. Gay. Yeah. Our boy, BG bracelet boy uh i can't believe you didn't pick up on bg yeah he he has gained like the most distance what, he was playing like shit for a while that's the thing i don't think he necessarily paid off he's not playing well yeah but it was him and bryson right that you know proportionately gained the most distance yeah I think, we might have gotten over. past a, a tip an insider tip on that from uh you know anonymous source oh anonymous okay that's right of the, of the pod that's right uh, and then Bryson also, I mean, the 48-inch driver, he's going to debut it at the Masters. At Augusta National How will be where is that? it is debuted. He says, you know, uh, he was talking to Ryan Lavner. It's his last event. He's taking a month off. Quote, the 48-inch, 48-inch driver, quote, it looks like a missile coming off the face. How much farther is it going? I won't disclose that right now. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. What does that mean? If he says it's going 440, they're going to like change the masters in the next. I think he's worried about him like planting some trees in places. (laughs) Doesn't want to tip his hand. I respect that. I actually like love it. I hope he doesn't even hit it until the first round. Like he doesn't even do it. Use it in the practice round. So they can't move tees around on him. He just has two drivers in the bag and then boom, pulls it out and just to, he hits one green. I am now, I'm actually now rooting for Bryce. I'm all in. I want him to just win everything so that people realize how ridiculous the game has gotten with the, with the tennis racket drivers and the non-spinning golf ball. Well, I think it is. I think these, I, I would think the covering bodies have to be mortified by this, this whole what we just talked about social media everybody's just going out there and posting numbers as much you posting you know 190 numbers and you know it's crazy to hear him talk about like it's unbelievable how straight i can keep it 48 inch driver he's like i'm just swinging as hard as i can and it's it's, you know i'm keeping it this straight i'm going to be playing it at the masters a couple more tweaks he wants says it looks like a missile and we're gonna this 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 is it right is this the tipping point he's gonna he might go and just he's done it it before he did it with the face on. Yeah. Yeah. That's the face true. On, he did. You know, the, the USGA, and then he had the compass. Remember the compass? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they popped him for that quickly. See, there's, then they preced- made it legal. There's, there's precedent to popping Bryson in yeah, the USGA's that's book. That's true. But if everybody else is doing it too, I just think now is the time, right? And it maybe 10 years, 20 years ago is the time, but Oh, I think, when Frank the, Thomas was asleep at the yeah. wheel at the time. But I'm talking about in terms of like the pandemic, like, and this is what I talked about when they were pace of play coming out of it. Like these guys had playing opportunities taken away from them for whatever, two months, three months. And, you know, they still lived on a million dollar lifestyle. But like now's the time to shift the paradigm. Like, hey, guys, you're fortunate to do this for a living. We're going to make some real changes. And this is, the, and, and I think, you know, there's still a bunch of them cry bloody murder but i think like the pandemic can be a paradigm changing moment like if you guys want like this opportunity to play for millions of dollars and granted on the tour it's harder to do it. tour they're just loving it you won't believe they're like light work for cam champ and bryson today hidden you know just casually driving it on the green at these par fours I think now now's the time non PGA tour division to really like change the paradigm. They had golf taken away. 
lot of people are making sacrifices. You guys are gonna have to learn how to play a ball. You guys are gonna have to learn how to play bifurcated game that makes courses more playable and intended how they're supposed to be played. You're gonna have to start playing on time par, whatever the hell that even is, but actually playing at a proper pace. I think now is the time. Masters, too late to do it. Like obviously it's four weeks away, but based on what happens there, there's some 48 inch driver taking it over every corner and dropping on every green. This is the time to really make a major move, I would say. Anyways, any other reactions? Good. Just amps up the anticipation for the Masters, right? Oh, yeah. Um, elsewhere, women's PGA, PGA uh, T-sheet. You like this? Sunday, leaders are going off in the middle of the T-sheet. I don't get this. Is it to avoid football? Well, they're going off the air at two. They want the leaders to have all 18 holes shown is what I understand it, or have the maximum amount of their golf shown. So leaders will go off at 843 approximately. Um, Is this because of the Shriners? What's going on? No, I think just football. I don't know. I think just football. The next lowest score will be 832. And then the high scores will start, you know, like right after 843 through like 930, it looks like. I mean, this is not the ma- This isn't like some bold new thing. It's new for the modern era. This is the Masters always used to just pair them up by you know appeal and not necessarily who was leading. Guys, the w- leader would yeah, be in the middle Sunday. of the teaching. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. Oh, in like Masters the Masters fact of the day, fifties, sixties, they would they wouldn't necessarily they would throw guys everywhere all over the t sheet. Do we have a short novel to read today? No, we got a quick one. Let's do Masters Fact of the Day. Clifford Roberts. This is from uh, Bama Bearcat. This a quick one. Uh, Clifford Roberts is related to Francis Scott Key. Let me figure out how he's related. Uh, his mother was the cousin of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star Sangled Banner. I got another Masters Fact, which I forgot about until I was reading the other night. You know why they flipped the nines, or part of the reason why they flipped the nines? Why? Well, I guess so. The original front nine yeah. was 10. What is now? No, 10. I guess 12 green was the last. Oh, yeah, because of the, the sun. Yeah, 12 green is like the last to thaw or last of, with the frost to come out. So if that would have been the third hole, it would have been like a lot more delays, take longer. So then they flipped them, part of the rotation. You know. Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. In the Shriners, who's your player to watch this weekend? Pick one player. <laughs> I think we should start this now. What does that mean? Just one player you're really watching. You watch close. You're gonna track him this weekend. Guy could win, or just well, I just want to watch. Any anyone. Um, I don't know who's yours. Sabatini's in there. I'm taking the septic tank. He's been playing good golf. He has been playing good golf. How about Zach Johnson? T11. Everybody's talking about speed wars. See, wait, wait, let's get his numbers out there. His, Zach Johnson, T11. Have you seen that poker PXG ad? Uh-uh. No. It's, what is it? It's ridiculous. I just, I caught it today. It was, the golf was on. It made me turn my head. It was something like, do you like to go all in? <laughs> We're PXG. <laughs> just absolutely absurd. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. All right, so that's the women's tee sheet. Other, the Blessings Collegiate. Good story. Alex Goff won it. He's good friends with that. Cullen Brown lost a battle of cancer over the summer. Alex Goff of Kentucky won the individual. Alabama won the team for the men's. Uh, Arkansas won the women's division. It just that course kicked everyone's ass. It's like, so again, hard. I got a tip about that. That the Tyson guy is just like a total vanity thing. Like here's here, this is not, not fully vetted. Tyson's John Tyson loves flaunting his course and he put, pays to put it on TV. Despite loving the course, he makes it intentionally hard and burdensome to be a member there. He made the restrictions so rough on p- people, i.e. play limits, increased fees, increased food requirements, decreased guest privileges, that at one point the course was down to approximately 20 members. The story goes that during the fallout, someone said, John, you're running away all your members. How many do you have to keep to keep this place open? He answered one and then walked away, which, you know, he's got that chicken money. I respect respect it. 
You know, the, when you they, own your own course, you can do what you want with it. Kick everyone's ass, I guess. So that was the Tice. The other thing about that college event, you see how they were playing in fivesomes, like as a team? Yeah. So and they slow. all kept, they kept hitting their own ball, the wrong ball. Did you see that? Brentley Romine wrote that up. He's like, you know, the one guy, he had a Titleist one with a UK on it. The other guy had a Titleist one with the UK on it. And they hit the wrong ball. At one point, they said five balls went in the same uh, bunker. Same bunker. That's it's, ridiculous. Especially at a course where everything's yeah. so hard and balls, a lot of balls end up in the same spots. <laughs> That's insane. What's going on? Uh, last but not least, big thing this weekend, Patrick Reed. Can you win the race to Dubai? You know, we call it the Wyndham Rewards. We call it the FedEx Cup point system. You know, we love the European Tour. Big fans. But, like, we got to call this out. This is a ridiculous system that this guy doesn't even play. And this is the only reason he came over. He came over so late, he got a sponsor's exemption. Because he decided so late, they just gave him a sponsor's exemption. And he's, like, up uh, by 100 points on Fleetwood, I think. He's only 28 ahead of Colin Morikawa, who also has never, like, really played on the Euro. The guy doesn't play on the tour. This is this is a farce. The race to Dubai is a joke. I'm sorry. I love the European tour. I love its events. I love it the people involved with it. But if we're going to pop the FedEx Cup, this is a complete joke. Now, here's so. here's the flip side. Here's here's a counter. I'm going to play, play devil's advocate. What's the European tour's biggest struggle? Drawing stars, drawing the players over. Look what they did. I mean... This is a part of vanity with Reed because they I love al- him. I also, I would also contend that this wouldn't have happened if it was, if it wasn't for COVID. Why? Because they would have played a full year of events and there's no yeah. way he could have stayed up there. That's true. That's true. That's true. So he's like, <laughs> I've always supported the European t- tour. I've always I appreciate that he wants to be a worldwide player. I he do appreciate that. He does play worldwide more than most Americans. He plays players. like 35 weeks a year. He's always played a ton. I just think he likes doing this because it's catnip for the Euro press. They love it. They're like he's a loyal guy. It's like that's not it. I mean, he's just a everyone over here calls him like a cheater and a you know, a malcontent and stuff like that. And there he goes. He's like a hero. You ready for I, this? What? He's trying to pad his Hall of Fame resume. That could be true. That could be too. That could be the case. Anyways, I just felt like it's our we're duty bound to call out the absurdity that is the race to Dubai of Patrick Reed. Because if he does well at Wentworth, he's still got the Masters ahead of it. He can double up the points there, do well for. He might win it without really ever playing much over there. So, hey, uh, right. quick update. Yeah, Sung JM is playing this week. It's his yep. third event of the Race, year. Third what is it? The drive the, to 40 or what 40. do you call it? Yes. Okay. Third event, and there's been five thus far. <laughs> I, I think you need a better ratio. You he can't does. Be he needs to pick this up. Right now, he's 60%. We need him humming at, what is it, 50, there's 50 events? He needs to hit 40. He's got to be at 80%. Yep. Yep. Well, he's going to play CJ Cup Zozo. He won't play Bermuda. Probably not. No. No. All right. That, that's a big game within the game all season. The drive to 40. Drive to race 40. to 40, whatever it is. All right. That's it. Some things to watch. Watch the women's PGA. A little coffee golf. It's a fantastic weekend. Uh, let's get to uh, Kevin Clark. Thanks so much for Kevin uh, to Kevin for joining us. He's got a big podcast, a bunch of important articles to write on the NFL, and he took a, a good chunk of his time to talk nonsense, golf, and, bears, browns. And this pod's now over. At once it's over. You know, once the interview's over, it's over. It's the end. Nothing yeah, on the end of this. You got that. your I'm, master's I'm fact of the day. I'm not doing any post-editing. Okay. All right. Thanks to Kevin for joining us. You can follow his work. You probably already do. At by Kevin Clark on Twitter. Uh, here we go. All right, we welcome a very special guest for this uh, Friday episode. It is staff writer at the Rainer, host of the NFL show. Is the NFL show on the Rainer Podcast Network? He is Kevin Clark. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. 
Thanks for having me, guys. Huge fan of the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. We are huge fans of your work. Yeah. I think this the origin story of this is just, I don't know, NFL season starting. We're big Bears-Browns fans. Whether the, the listeners in Australia and Europe appreciate it to this podcast, they get it every Monday morning, if, whether it's five minutes or, you know, 15. And uh, I think we unsolicitedly recommended your podcast, and we'll do that yes. again, and your writing, of course. Uh, it's become, like, my go-to thing. The Browns are relevant somewhat again this year uh and it's not just you now right aren't you guys are you like five days a week on that feed we are so warren sharp joined us uh this yeah. this year he's twice a week joe house is on the feed chris vernon's on the feed ryan shazier talented linebacker is now a yep. great pundit for us um so what happened was i guess you had mentioned our pod a couple of months ago and then people started tagging all of us and said that i need to come oh, on God. and to talk golf and that's how this that that was sort sort of the kernel of this idea, and and now it's led to this. So it, okay. it all worked out. Amazing. So yeah. in season, we I recommend listening to that probably more than golf talk. Although I mean, golf is relevant in the fall more than it ever has been this year. But I would definitely get the NFL show in your feed if it's not my uh, my <laughs> Monday morning. It, Kevin, your boss Bill Simmons got one of my favorite quotes about coffee. You know, it's the best part of your day, and that everything from the first sip of coffee, it's downhill from there. <laughs> And literally, I go downstairs, I I'm, I'm make my coffee, but I turn your podcast on every Monday oh, morning. Thank it's, you so much. It's, it's like the first thing I've listened to while I'm making my coffee. So technically, you know, you're right at the apex of my day before it starts going downhill on Mondays. Oh, I'm so appreciative of you saying that. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, what's your fascination with golf? Why would you list, ever listen to us? I know you're f- fans of just golf internet culture a little bit, the subculture, the very small corner of the golf <laughs> world. Uh, are you a big golf fan? I know you're from Florida yeah. originally. What, what is your origin story? What's your interest in golf real quick? Maybe the biggest sports mistake I've ever made is not golfing when I lived in Orlando because there's so much cheap golf. All the golfers are here. I was sort of, if you're in Orlando and you like sports at all, you end up sort of near golfers. Like I remember being in an event years ago, like Chris DeMarco was there and Justin Rose and everyone's like, oh, oh Chris DeMarco. And uh, so you, they're sort of around, especially like magic games. You'd always see like the Bubba Watsons of the world. But I didn't golf until I moved to California, which was, Wow. Uh, four and a half years ago and so it was late for me and I picked it up and was just obsessed with it there's a lot of reasons and then because of it I got into just the professional part of it too um, I love gambling on it it's really the only sport where I'm decent at gambling on it um, just because I, I don't gamble on football for professional reasons I just don't sure. I don't feel like, you know the worst thing for me would be losing a bunch of money on a Seahawks game and then being in the locker room and being like mad at bobby wagner you know what i'm talking to him (laughs) that that seems like a bad idea so gamble on golf a lot um and i just i just love the sport and i love everything the culture around it like the internet culture that's popped up with 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 the great podcast so i mean it's just a sport that over the past five years and i've always watched golf always watched the majors one of those fans but now it's like i'm i'm watching you know fall series events and you know it's it's Uh. it's in my blood now that was my next question. Watching, like watching the Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have a take on this, and this is something that I've communicated to other people, and I've, I've gotten most of them to come around if they like golf at all. But I almost always keep the golf channel on my background, no matter what I'm doing, unless there's something I'm actively watching, yeah. because they're going to be in a nice place. They're going to be, there's going to be nice weather. It's going to be beautifully maintained, all that stuff. And you can just look out there. And if it's a crappy day where you are or it, whatever, like there's a golf tournament on and it looks nice and you'd rather be there. So it's almost like a, it's like a screensaver almost, right? Yes. Like you're just like, oh, this is very yes. pretty. I, I wish I was at Sanderson right now. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's my take on, on having golf on in the background. I would also I, add to that, add to that when you have kids. It has the least terrifying or offensive commercial breaks as well. Like if you're watching an <laughs> NFL game on CBS, you get like the big murder mystery coming that night. It scares the hell out of your kids. Golf channel in the background is just like reverse mortgages and like some yeah. ED ad that dances around the edges on, you know, that yep, the, yep. The, it's Pon- ad, 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 games. It yeah. the best screensaver. That's well put. Andy, what are you going to say? Hey, I, I'm curious. Why, why did you play golf the first time? What, I want I want to hear about like your entry into the game. Like what got so, you to a golf course? I don't 
remember the first time except to say that and it's almost like a like a weird like i just had a golf club in my hand one day like i woke up and i was like oh look at this um and so i moved to california i realized there's a ton of golf ton of open spaces um, a lot of people with the ringer golfed or started golfing around the time that the ringer was founded um, i started golfing with my friend sam Shuby, who's now at gq uh played with uh, sean fennessy chris ryan around the same time took it up um uh there's a handful of other bringer people who, who were in that mix and so for whatever reason probably because we were getting around either our early 30s or mid 30s i was in my late 20s at that point uh, i think a lot of people just said hey this is this is good and my wife she's not very good but she's starting to play like her her thing is that and again this is like the screensaver thing her thing is like the baseline the worst possible scenario for golf is you drink outside right like that's it yeah. that, that, and, and it goes up from there if you hit some good shots hit some good shots but so they're just developed a real for whatever reason in my circle of friends just a, a golf culture and and everyone's pretty into it now that's amazing it sounds like almost like the pre sort of pre-pandemic phenomenon of people just sort of like your your coworkers got into it so you got into it now uh, we're hearing a lot of people get it like the, allegedly the business is booming this summer because it's deemed one of the safer activities it sounds like that so was that phenomenon under much happier easier circumstances coworkers the two the two reasons to get into golf are a pandemic or if you're washed and we were all becoming <laughs> right. washed at once right right and i was entering a phase of my life i was, I was pre-washed and then i kind of got washed as yeah. i was was playing golf and now i'm fully washed absolutely fully washed but that was me easing into that phase of my life i guess you could say where'd you yeah. play out there andy can can give an assessment because sure. he played, so, he lived out there for a little bit himself we I, griffith park is the big one and yeah. really it's it's funny because i remember talking to one of my bosses and i was like i'm never going to join a club and someone said to me, uh, Sean Fantasy actually said, it's because LA golf, Muni golf is so good. And you yeah. don't realize what it's like in other cities where it's like, you know, it's, you can't get a 9.30 AM tea time ever. Guys are playing, you know, I, I have a friend who plays in New York who says he's constantly playing behind guys in Eli Manning jerseys. You know I mean? It's just like a different, <laughs> like a different vibe. Right. And, uh, and, but LA, like the, the Muni golf and the public golf is really good. And so Griffith park, both Wilson and Harding, um, same architect as some of the really famous courses in LA, um, the yeah. Riviera, George, George Thomas is his name. Um, uh, Rancho, the Rancho, well, dude, Rancho is, is a, is a zoo. I mean, that that's the one that's more, as much as I like Rancho, it is constantly like six hour rounds. You know, there's only one course there. Unlike, unlike Griffith Park with Wilson Harding, like it is uh Rancho is an experience. I will say that is, I, I, the first time I played Rancho, that was my first entree into like, I guess you could say extreme public golf, like guys with the shirts on, dudes just smoking pot from like, <laughs> like there, there are a lot of people at, at Rancho from what, from what I've seen, I've only played there maybe 10 times is like, there were a handful of times where a guy would tee off and then his, on his approach shot on one, that's when he would start smoking pot. Like he wouldn't start <laughs> right away. You don't want to do that. You don't want the starter to see it. But like once you get 210 out or something, that's that's when you load up the ball. I uh, I lived in L.A. for a little while for work. And uh, we had it was a startup uh, Chicago office. So, you know, all my bosses are in Chicago. I'm living in L.A. I started I essentially started our office there. And, uh, I would, we lived right next to Rancho and every oh day gosh. at like, at like three or four o'clock, you know, everybody's out of the office back in Chicago. I just like take the rest of the day, go to Rancho and it is the, it's the best though. Decompression It's slow. You're only going to play six, seven holes in the afternoon. There's, you're not getting around fast, but you hit a shot and then you just lay down. You know, you get to your ball and you sit down and you got 10 minutes and then you hit another shot. And that's just the way it is out there in the afternoon. So it is the one place where I've seen like long lines for the range, oh like extremely God. long lines for the range, which I've never really seen before, but it's there. Anything you've never seen on a golf course, you'll probably see at Rancho Park. That's I got their financials, the, the city financials, that range makes like it unbelievable amount of money like most of the courses that they manage lose money but the range covers everything like that range pays for everything at every other golf course yeah and then the other one that i became obsessed with in the last six months is rustic canyon which i almost like i i, I don't want to tell people about rustic like i don't want people there you know what i'm saying i mean it, it's just such an amazing cheap place it's my favorite course 
to play that I can get on regularly in, in the world at this point. I haven't played a ton of different courses, but like the design was amazing. Everything about it's amazing. The community is amazing. Everyone just loves golf. And, and that was the one thing where when you get paired up with someone at Wilson or Harding in Griffith Park or Rancho, hey, maybe it's just someone who's just trying to duck out of work or whatever. And every time I've been paired up with someone at Rustic, it's been, um, you know, I'm with a friend who's, who's a golf dork and we're paired up with two other golf dorks and we just talk about golf and architecture and being a golf dork. And I don't really get that. I'm sure you get the experience on golf trips or whatever, but I feel like Rustic is a real interesting uh, meeting point for that kind of thing. Yeah, Andy. it's awesome. You should go check out Santa Anita sometime. Mm. That's a crazy place. It's it's super cool. Um, it's not. It's more along the lines of the city course vibe, but uh, really cool old school place. It was built on the old Santa Anita racetrack. One of the greens is actually one of the turns. Um, oh wow! Just, yeah, super cool. And and the they built it. It was like one of the public works uh, commission projects. So it's got. This architect only designed one course. It's unbelievable. He built. Sorry, this wasn't supposed to be the topic yeah, of conversation. Yeah. But there you go. He, he created all this stuff. It is. I. It's one of the courses that I went and played. That I didn't have my drone. I was kicking myself because I, it is so neat. And I think it's busy, but uh, it's a place that, if you don't mind a little scruffy, rough around the edges, awesome, awesome golf course. I'm fine with that. I, I like cheap and scruffy golf. Like that's what I, I'm. I'm more obsessed with that than kind of the resorty type sure. places. Good, yeah, so. perfect. You're you're talking to the right people then. Um, <laughs> on the subject, of real quick of the pro golf, your gambling. I would like yeah. to know if there was one event, one bet that like really hit home with you. Like, man, I'm like really into this. Like, are we talking like, you know, third place at the PNC father son challenge in December? Like what is one thing where you are like, grind? Wow. I'm really into pro golf. Cause I am grinding out this result. But is there one that really oh. hit, it hit, you know, hit on you that I'm, I've become a fan of this. Or, sure. So as far as grinding out goes, I would say this year was the year where I realized once they came back to action and everybody was, you know, the era, let's call it when the back to the T commercials were happening, where it was just like Shooter McGavin was, was on our television yeah. Yeah. 30 hours a day, like that era. <laughs> yes. I was all in on building a team or gambling every single week on that one. I would say that the biggest result for me was I would do every single thing as far as research on the front end of, of majors and big tournaments. I'd listen to Pat Mayo, I'd listen to all this, I'd look at the stats, I'd get my spreadsheets out. And then last year, uh, I was right before training camp or in the middle of training camp. I had no time to do any of that stuff because once training camp starts, you're just kind of locked in. It's, it's just a real grind. And so I had the British. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to stack this team. I, I'm in a sort of vaguely high stakes pool um, where you pick nine guys or whatever. Vaguely and I was, high stakes. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stack this, this team with guys who I think know the course and, and, and can figure this out. And so I put Shane Lowry on the team oh, and man. the entire, I had Thomas Fleetwood too. And I was the only person who had it and with Lowry and I ended up winning enough to and it's funny because i would probably pay it probably just paid for my losses otherwise but i won a nice chunk of change to the point that then i decided that this money is is found golf money so i'm just going to reinvest this into more golf so that got me i got lessons off of that and i got some equipment as well so that shane lowry shane lowry propelled me into a better golfer an actual real it was an in real life win for me growing shane, the game shane lowry did grow the game yeah he grew, he grew the game he That's grew the, the game <laughs> i i i probably knocked 10 to 12 strokes off my game because of shane lowry wow that's yeah. amazing that maybe yeah. there we go that's fantastic we need right. more people to gamble money on golf <laughs> there we go. and take <laughs> this approach that's the grow the game strategy they've that all these big organizations have been missing out on apparently i love it uh should we transition to football at all no, I, sure. i'm curious i want to ask a question about a yes. general sports question i sent you okay. this before because i've yes. i've been trying to think i've been thinking about this since bryson has had re, uh, remote success you know any have you any sport player that was like a top you know bryson was a top 15 player in golf and he completely transformed his body like you know, mm -hmm. comes back and he looks completely different. Like Sean Kemp obviously had it 
during the lockout. You know, he came back mm-hmm. like a hundred pounds <laughs> overweight, and then he was out of the league shortly after. But right. I can't think of anybody that like has just completely. Can you think of any football or basketball player that would fit? like LeBron? Maybe the when he slimmed down yeah, in the, Miami. So th- I think there's two different types of transformations. There's the game transformation and the body transformation. I don't think anyone's done both at the same time, especially not mid-career. There's a bunch of guys who switch positions in college or earlier in their pro career uh, where they've just changed their game. And Richard Sherman used to be a wide receiver. Jason Peters, who's one of the best tackles of his uh, era, used to be a tight end. Lane Johnson was a quarterback at one point, and it, that, that's actually someone who probably gained so much weight that he changed his entire life and career, but but not really. Um, you know, I think that the most analogous thing would be some of the taller guys in the NBA who started to learn how to shoot three-pointers, but that wasn't necessarily a body change thing either you know football has a history of just turning guys especially faster guys you know jimmy johnson's whole thing at the university of miami and then uh, at dallas as well was take defensive ends make them defensive tackles take linebackers make them defensive ends take safeties make them linebackers and then their bodies will adjust accordingly um, and they'll bulk up but we haven't seen an elite player do this. I mean, obviously, like in golf, you saw the Tom Watson swing change throughout his career. We've heard those sort of stories. Oh, this guy just totally changed his career. Yeah, so, or this guy, you know, Greg Nor Faldo started working with David Ledbetter, whatever it was. But it's nothing like this. And, and when I was looking into this and, and racking my brain for it, I couldn't find anything. Herb Adderley, who's a, a great Packers cornerback, was at one one time a running back and, and had to switch his position because of injuries and, and became a Hall of Famer because of it. But the only analogy really with the body and game changes would be, uh, sorry to say this, not accusing anybody of anything, uh, baseball players in the 90s yeah. um, who started out as a lot of them started out as slim five tool players and developed into huge home run hitters who were not five tools anymore. Uh, So that would be the most analogous, but I mean, for me, I, I, I almost see, and it's not the body transformation. I mean, I almost see like Josh Allen vibes as far as just improving with work, work ethic and just doing, making improvements that you should make after a certain point in your career. So pro football focus did this thing over the off season where they're basically like, nobody gets better significantly from year two to year three. It just doesn't happen. Uh, they get better from year one to year two, if you're a quarterback and that the guys who did get better, like Troy Aikman is one of those guys. It was you know due to some outside influence that the Cowboys were so bad in his rookie year or whatever, but this doesn't happen. And I think with Bryson, that kind of reinvention is very rare. And I think you're seeing a little bit with Josh Allen, but again, Josh Allen didn't, he was always kind of a bulky dude. Uh, Brandon, that's not that pro football focus study. It's not good news for Baker. Uh, we'll get into Baker here in a minute. <laughs> I, on the subject of cross sport, like analogies, like obviously the big thing in golf right now is technology. It, it's the ball. Does the ball go too far? Is it, it's track men. Guys are getting optimized in their swings. Is there any way it's hard to make that analogy to football because the field is the field. The field's not the, the issue with golf is you can't keep buying land and think that's where it's hitting like a tipping point. Has there any, anything in technology that has, I, we know the game changed, right? It's we pass a lot more and things like that, that, but from a technological standpoint, not a strategy standpoint that has, whether well, even it's just like laptops or the iPads or whatever sure. that has really changed since you've been covering the game. Yes. So I was actually talking to Bruce Gradkowski about this this morning on our podcast um, about how iPads have changed basically everything as far as teams can make adjustments easier. Uh, iPads didn't come in until 2011 and they weren't allowed to have video until 2018, something like that. You could only have the pictures, which is essentially the same thing as having photos, which they've had for 60 years. So I think that more technologically savvy teams are understanding how to use that and how to show guys, hey, look at these cutups right now. We have 30 seconds. And I think that there's been an edge. I would say, though, you know, you talk about the field, there's been calls. Uh, Andrew Hawkins a couple of years ago wrote a column about, I think for Sports Illustrated, there have been calls to widen the field because the argument is that these guys are so much bigger now and so much faster and the collisions are so intense now that in order if you widen the field you would actually have a more aesthetically pleasing game with less injuries Um, almost like like hockey has that too where the international game has wider ice i think and so you would have a a different game and a safer game if you could could literally expand the field so i know that's different than the distance argument in in golf but i think 
the level of play can always change. Um, and I think it, it might change going forward if we still get, you know, it, if, if we have, you know, 11 George Kittles and Rob Gronkowski's on the field, which eventually the game will go to, uh, you're going to need more space for that because those, those guys are huge. So I think that, that technology changing is by far the biggest thing that's happened over the past five, six, seven years in football. Um, I would say that it's helping GMs get more information um, because they can get instantaneous information from, I remember Dave Caldwell, the Jaguars GM saying, you used to watch four games of a guy. Now you watch 32, you know, before you draft them because um, you can do it really, really easily. Uh, but I would say the, the, the guys who understand how to use that are probably less than you'd think. Um, I remember writing a couple of stories like Ron Rivera is one of these guys who basically said, you know, if we start using tablets, that's the first step towards robots coaching, like that kind of thing. So I think that it's probably less of a modern game than you think. I mean, like imagine if pro golf just had, if there's a, a, a field of, you know, if, if, if we're at Eastlake and it's 50 guys and like 20 of them are still using persimmon woods, like that's what you're looking at for, for the NFL right now. Mac O'Grady, that was the last guy held on to the persimmon woods <laughs> until 2000 or something. <laughs> I ever tell you the story? I was running. I used to, my freshman year of college. I ran the pictures to Butch Davis and Foge oh, Fazio wow. for a game at the old Foxborough Stadium. Except I didn't know I was getting a job, and we went down there and started tailgating it. I was a freshman in college, and we were tailgating, and we had a couple of beers, and we get a text from a friend. Hey man, we need you on the sidelines. And all of a sudden, like an hour later, I'm run, I'm on the sidelines. Me and my friend who've been tailgating are running the old pictures out to Foge and uh, Butch Davis as the Browns got smoked by the the Pats, I think, in the old Foxborough Stadium. Yeah, I missed the was, old there was pictures. Not, not much you could have done there. No, nothing at all. Andy, what do you got? Any other NFL questions? I'm sure we. I've got a lightning round here. I want to get to, but go ahead. Um, I was I was going to ask you. Uh, obviously, you know, Bryson's a great, you know. I don't love Bryson, but he's great for content. You know, he's great for content. Do you, are you really sad that Bill O'Brien's gone? I'm, I think that a good Deshaun Watson, a good relevant Deshaun Watson can be better for content than Bill O'Brien ruining his career was, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think there's always going to be the next Bill O'Brien, there might not be the next Deshaun Watson needs to be maximized. So I understand, I, I felt a little like, well, I mean, it was such a crutch to just every Sunday in our losers segment, just be like, well, Bill O'Brien yeah. can't get, can't get out of this segment. Yeah. Now he is. But I kind of feel like there will never be a shortage of it. I think that there's NFL owners still don't know what they're looking for when it comes to, to hiring. So I think that, I'm listen, the Texans are keeping Jack Easterby. Like there's no guarantee that, that the next Texans coach isn't going to be squarely in, in, in the zone. This the time next year. zone. In the O'Brien zone. I was zone. reading up on O'Brien that guy. Probably another job. I was reading Easterby? up on that Easterby guy. He's got an interesting rise. Interesting. Hey, he's like Background. a vibes guy. He's like right. a vibes guy. He seems to me almost like like a golf coach, where it's like you know, like like he's he's so into the mental side of it, and like he's like the type of guy who's like you got to practice barefoot, like one of those guys. Um, and so just uh, it's really interesting that he's risen up with the kind of. Like, oh, you got to focus on this part of the game because O'Brien didn't do that. O'Brien was just very, a very literal person who didn't really understand how to build a team and, and he ended up in charge. After reading this morning, I'm wondering if J.J. Watt is like another Houston resident. Is he the, the Pat Reed of insubordination of the, of the, at the captain? Is, 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 are these reports true? J.J. Watt, I'm not asking you to confirm tonight. J.J. Watt's yelling at Bill O'Brien, just like Pat Reed, of the insubordination of his Ryder Cup captain. Another yeah. Houston, Houston red ass. <laughs> Houston area no. maker. No one, no, no one has compared Patrick Reed to JJ Watt until you just did. I'm <laughs> okay, glad, good. I'm glad. I'm glad, good. I'm glad that's out there. Um, no, no, I, I like JJ Watt, and I, I, no one's come out and denied this. And I kind of feel like if you didn't do it, that's when you send the tweet. I mean, like guys yeah. send tweets all the time just denying things that absolutely happened, right? Yeah, and JJ right. Watt is extremely online, and I'm sure he saw it. And so, if he wasn't, I think there's two possibilities here. Number one is that he did it. Number two is he didn't do it, but it, like it getting looks, credit for getting Bill O'Brien yeah. fired is a really good thing to have. So he's just going to let the let the legend grow, I guess you could say. Yeah. Hey, uh -huh. um, what what three and one team do you feel better about uh, for the rest of the season? The Bears or the Browns? 
I was right. As soon as you, you started that question, I was like, where's he go? Oh, I know where he's going to. Um, so we're recording this on Thursday. They're playing, the Bears are playing the Bucks tonight. Yeah. And so. That, not feeling good about this one. I, I think it's possible. You know, I, I, I think that the Bucks are just a really damn good team and they're they're really complete. And it wouldn't shock me if the Bears won at home um, just because I'm of the opinion that like Tom Brady's going to be much, much better in November and December once he's had all these padded practices. Because this is the weirdest year of all time. Like the no OTAs, no, no real training camp until August 15th. And that, even that was abbreviated. And so I could see an early season shock here, but I probably not. I feel much better about the Browns, much better about the Browns. Um, and, and this is, I like the coach more. I like the GM more. I like the roster more. Um, I think that they're the positions that the Browns are good at are the most important positions. And I think that the Browns are probably going to make the playoffs as the seventh, seventh AFC team. I've been saying that for pretty much the entire off season. Um, part of it, quite frankly, is like, I think we're always something I've said on the pod a lot. I think we're always a year too early on hype. Like this happened with the Niners. This happened with the Browns where we see a roster and we're like, they're ready right now. And the way teams are built, like you need to plug certain holes. And so like, we, we got so excited about the Browns when they had an awful line and awful coach and they got one year to fix all those problems. You sign Jack Conklin, you, you build the line to where now, I mean, I think it's one of the best lines in the AFC and Wyatt Teller, um, obviously, you know, Batonio and Shredder are holdovers, but I think that, I think the way Andrew Barry has done this is just building the team they had last year, the one that got us all excited and just filled the little gaps. And that's why I think that the Browns are, are, are positioned to make the playoffs with the, with the bears. I'm not sure that there's a cohesive plan. Like if you, if you sat down with Ryan Pace <laughs> and Matt Nagy and you were just like, what are we doing? I, I think that the answer you would get is like, we're just trying to do something, you know? And if you gave them a little truth serum, it would be, we're trying to save our jobs. I feel like Nagy is not on the hot seat enough at this point. You tell an NFL writer to get guys on the hot seat right now. Let's I, not cause controversy here. I just feel like no, there's I, never I, been I a finger saying. pointed at him. It's always like, oh, Smith, you know. The remember the draft, his wall in his basement. His wall. Like, that was that's all I remember about Mac Nagy. That's what I associate him with him. That was there. There's a. I'm not going to say his name. There was a GM who would put quotes behind him every time I was in there. It was a different quote. And then I would talk to a GM, or sorry, I would talk to another other writers. And I'm like, you see that quote behind this GM? And they're like, oh, it was a different quote when I was there. And I started to realize that this GM was trying to give like what's called color in journalism to the writers by changing, by tailoring oh, the quote for the writer. Like he was giving me stuff <laughs> that he thought I wanted, right? Like I'm more into the team building stuff and, and yeah. almost, you know, like Michael Lewis type stuff that, that that's kind of the stories I aspire to write. And so he was doing that. And it was like, I realized it was just the most try hard thing in the world. And I, re I when I saw Negi with the play sheets, and I understand why he did it. It's not the same in the sense that like he does that they're old play sheets from, from famous wins or whatever, but like having the draft camera on that, it was just like, it was, it looked to me like he was trying so hard to come across as a football mind. And I understand why he dedicated his room like that. I've read all the pieces, all that stuff. I'm not accusing him of being a tryhard in that regard. I'm just saying it's a choice to have your cameras on that. In the same way, there was a choice for Cliff Kingsbury to pose for that draft, draft photo. Yeah, like sure. there's when those guys set out to do that, or Bill Belichick had his dog there, right? Like the, these guys are making choices. And Matt Nagy's choice was here are my play sheets. Roger Goodell changed his sweater. That's exactly right. Did you ever and put had, one of those quotes in your lead? Did you ever fall for it? The no, guy's trick? No, do you do no. write about it or anything? Okay. All right. No, I, no I did. I, I'm not. I, I, I'll i use anything if I'm desperate, but I wasn't that desperate. There you go. <laughs> um, who starts more games that's this a year? Great, that's a great writer line. There you go. I'll use anything. <laughs> I'll that's use good. anything if I'm desperate. Um. Who starts more games for the Bears this year, Mitch or Nick? Nick, without okay. without a doubt. I'm not even sure if they go back to Mitch. I I think that that was that was just giving him one final last chance to to prove and justify. And I, I'm sure, I I think Nick is their guy. You don't sign Nick Foles unless you're going to start him. Yep. If you were trying to win a Super Bowl this year. So not like building for the next five. I don't even know what long-term building constitutes long-term building in the NFL anymore, but not five to seven years. Win a Super Bowl this year. 
Would you, who would you rather have, Baker Mayfield, Nick Foles, or Mitch Trubisky? Andy has proposed this to me that, like, this is a debate now. <laughs> this year. So, like, that, that brings Foles into it, I guess. All right, you like, you like the right. Browns. You like the Browns more. Yeah, so you I can have any three of those I think it's going to be Baker curves. Mayfield. I think it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Okay. If you're trying to win the Super Bowl <laughs> this year, would you rather have Freddie Kitchens or Mark Tressman? Like, you have to win this year. Uh, Tressman. It's the answer is Tressman because Tressman, I've seen design good plays and all that stuff. Okay. It, like, he it, has I, a reputation a bit, right? I, they both have. Well, I'm, on the positive what, side. Didn't Tressman direction? have some positive <laughs> he was like buzz about football. him? He was a Canadian football guru. <laughs> yes. John, with it was Tressman. We had John Shoup too. The great. I had <laughs> so so so. I actually have a funny Tressman story. So, a couple of years ago, when he was the coach of the Bears, I was doing a piece on the rise of the back shoulder throw. It's at the Wall Street Journal at this time, and uh, and I, I I was talking to all the offensive coaches I could. And he was head coach of the Bears, so I go up to him and I ask him this question. And I'm, it's all research and stuff like that, and he's just such an awkward dude. I'm sure he's a great dude, but he's just such an awkward dude. He doesn't know how to answer the question and he just didn't want to talk about it. And so he just lets silence hang for like five to 10 seconds. And then he goes, I'm just afraid I don't have much content for you. Oh my God. I'm not sure how I react to that. And I was just like, well, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, it's a great way to end yeah. the line of questioning. It's just like, I don't have content for you. He said, yeah, I don't have content for you. Oh my God. Which I find to be, uh, I've never gotten an answer like that in my life. I That's don't have in- any con- content. That's pretty intense. Um, yeah. Another lightning round, not being mean while we're on the subject of kitchens, but like what kind of company in your history of following the game does Freddie Kitchens keep when it comes to the class of like not great coaches? Like who's in his class? I, is there anyone, actually, let's twist it. Is there anyone in the league right now, this this year, that you put Freddie Kitchens in Right now, as a head coach, and it's preferable to what they have. Gase, maybe. No, not um, Adam Gase. Maybe not. I, no. I, I, the, the, here, here's the difference: is so Adam Gase needs to be fired right now until he, <laughs> until he. I mean, this is something I said in the pod. This is something I've written. Like he turned the, around the, Jay Cutler, every, though. Every day, every day that that he coaches Sam Darnold is is a bad day for Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's not even playing this week. It's going to be Joe Flacco. But I would say that Adam Gase at least has a little more success in other areas and has had more success than Pretty Kitchens. Neither of them should ever be head coaches again. And I, I'm not even sure Gase should be an offensive coordinator again. Like the way he feuds with players and stuff would, would, would just worry me as a, as a owner, right? And as a head coach. Um, so I think that Freddie Kitchens would be a downgrade in all 32. I mean, I, I think that most of the coaches who were hired in this cycle this cycle, the last cycle, were pretty good. Like the only guy I'm really looking at is Joe Judge, but I, I feel like that roster is just so depleted right now. I got to give him a little more time. Um, but I think most of these guys, your Stefanski's, that 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 crew, I think it's a pretty solid group. There's no Adam Gase in, in, in the most recent group, so I, I think Kitchens is downgrade on everybody. Is there any Kitchens comp in the history of your you covering or following the league where it's just not great from strategic game management, time um, management, you know, clock management all the way around? It's just kind of it's good for content in all the the wrong ways. If you're a Browns fan, sure. Marty Morningwig was a bit like sure. that, where it's just sure. like, what are we doing here? I would say, um, I'd say Gus Bradley. Uh huh. Um, okay. Where I just you you'd go watch that team, and I you just didn't you didn't know what anybody did well. Um, Jim Tom Sula obviously is, is, is the modern, most modern yeah. example of a guy who just after one year, which is like, whatever uh, I, I, my cut my bones as the Cam Cameron on the Cam Cameron dolphins. Um, yeah. I, it's 2007. I was a sophomore in college. And I covered that team full time. I took the semester off. Um, did they, did to they cover have Ronnie Brown then and Cadillac Williams? They did. They did. I, I always think a lot about, they did not, they did not have Cadillac Williams. <laughs> that was, that was Auburn. Auburn. That was really Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> I just... <laughs> so they, uh, so the one thing I always think about with Belichick when he does is like, this is the best team of all time is uh, his shtick every week, no matter who he's playing, is they were playing his Dolphins team and the Dolphins were like, Oh, and 10, and they couldn't score any points. And Cam Cameron was on his way to getting fired, and they were interviewing Bill Parcells. And Belichick said, 
that Ronnie Brown was the best player in football, number one, which is completely absurd. Even though Ronnie Brown was playing well, he's like, this is the best player I've seen on tape in the league in 2007. And then one of the reporters asked Belichick, they were like, how do you, and this is the 2007 Patriots. They were going undefeated. And he was like, they were like, how do you guard against being uh, overconfident? Belichick just got angry, just, just viciously angry. And was just like, I have no idea what we have to be confident about. This, the Dolphin team is so good. <laughs> and it was just like, I couldn't believe it. And it was like my first exposure to it because back then it's not like, it's not like now where you're just seeing press conference quotes all the time or you're watching them on TV. Like it was a little different. And so I'd never really been around Belichick. I was 19 years old, 20 years old. I'm just to Belichick. And I was just like, what is, what is this bit? And it became much clearer in, in hindsight what he was doing. But I just, I loved that. He was just talking up the 07 Dolphins who were going to go one in 15, like they were the 85 Bears. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so Masters is going to conflict with an NFL weekend. Yeah. Uh, are you going to be able to watch any of the Masters? Are you, will you watch any of the Masters? Yeah, how many yes. TVs do you have? I have one, but I'm able to... It's not during not during the NFL, but during other times. I'm, I I normally have like a laptop with streaming a streaming service, so I have I'm watching two events at once. If that's that's more like college football or hoops or whatever, I, I typically because because it's my job. Um, the only time I've ever switched over from NFL to a golf event is Ryder Cup. If the time zones uh, sure. if the time zones match up uh, with the Masters. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Hopefully. So the reports are that they're going to have early tea times. Right. And so yeah. that, that, that'll get out of the way of some of the college stuff that'll get it out of the way of um, hopefully some of the NFL stuff. My hope is that the 1 PM window is a little thin and we can just, just get it, get it out of the way. No, no huge primetime games in the way of the masters. Have you heard anything uh, that you've said either reported or on the record, no, no rumor about Goodell being an Augusta national member. And if there was any push and pull there with, with obviously the league that he oversees and runs, because we heard like question. CBS sort of was very like proactive about this, right? They went to the league, they went to Augusta, they went to Goodell, who's kind of oddly falls in the middle. You know, he works, he's a member of one and works for another. But CBS was proactive about having like a thin 1 p.m. slate for that week. And they worked with the SEC for LSU Alabama. Did you hear anything on Goodell? It's kind of the odd push and pull that he never envisioned. I haven't. I haven't. Okay. Although I, 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 that obviously makes sense, especially when you consider, I mean, like, there's a reason that that this is it Alabama LSU. Is that yeah, Saturday night? It's going to be like, later, like five, six yeah. o'clock. Or yeah. Something. And I, I think the whole the idea is to have it to, it to flow in. Right. And I think so, so I think that CBS and Augusta and the NFL and college football and the SEC. I think they all work in concert here to make this a pretty good sports weekend. Good. Fantastic. Andy, what do you got? I got one more question. Are the, you know, this is a long-term question as a bears fan. Am I ever going to have a quarterback that's better than a Packers quarterback in my lifetime? How old are you? 34. Just trying to work the math out here. So Jordan Love for the next 20 years. Yeah. I mean, he's bound <laughs> so to be the next great that, quarterback, that, right? That takes you into into your mid-50s. Um, I think it's it, – I, I don't – I don't know the answer. I mean, like Aaron Rodgers, my question is, is Aaron Rodgers going to be so good? Is Jordan Love such a valuable um, agitator as, you know, just agitating him into yes. being the, – the pick was an agitation towards pissing him off, as Ray Lewis would say, pissing him off for greatness, right? Yeah. So if Jordan Love is so good at this, does Aaron Rodgers add three, four, five years – of eliteness to his career does see and peter king was in my podcast in the offseason he was like you know aaron Rodgers with his play has the option to make jordan love jimmy garoppolo in the sense that like he you just have to extend him or trade him in four years and we'll see if that happens and so i guess my question is does the when does the jordan love era begin do they have to sign him to a second contract before he even starts to, does he look good enough for them to do that i mean i think there's it's it's really funny how much over the past four weeks, the Packers succession plan has probably changed in that regard. Right. And so I don't know. I'm sure that they, Aaron Rodgers said this, he said that he thinks that the Packers are going to get rid of him sooner rather than later. He said it on a regular podcast six weeks ago. And so I think that they probably Rodgers probably thought he was going to be jettisoned in two or three years, but if he wins the MVP this year, the clock totally resets. So uh, I, I don't know where this bears 
this Bears uh, quarterback is going to come from that's better than these guys, but I'm not optimistic. I think the Bears are going to be really bad in four years. What does that mean? How do you know? So they kind of built their team around winning. Like, they they're nine, really bad. How many like tight ends defense, do they have? The defense is the defense is going to get old in like a year or two. I, I will say this about Trubisky. So I went to an NFL PA event. Uh, it's called the Rookie Premiere. They had a cocktail reception or a just a party for all of the rookies, and then a bunch of ex NFL guys were there. Michael Vick was there. A couple of media people there, and. Um, most people were in suits. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was wearing sweat sweatpants, uh, like a like a tracksuit, and like like Mahomes wearing a suit. Josh Dobbs, I think, was wearing a tuxedo. I think um, all those guys. Everyone's dressed up. Trubisky's wearing, and I've told the story on the pod before, but this was when he was okay that I told the story, and I've been thinking ever since whether or not wearing a tracksuit to that event was. <laughs> sign of an ultimate badass or just a guy who wasn't just wasn't ready for it you know what i'm saying like and it's either or right now i'm just gonna just keep changing my view of what it was because when i first thought about it i was like this is kind of badass and now i'm just like no this this shows he didn't have it sign of a mentor ohio mentor formal that's that's where trubisky's from cleveland guy i'm convinced Um, part of the reason that we drafted trubisky is because of his performance against my alma mater university of illinois and lovey smith he lit him up. He completely lit him up. And you think Chicago went local? That's well, why they no, watched him. I think that was that was one of his standout games at North Carolina. He only started one year. That was one of his standout games. He came to Champaign, hung like fifty-two out of the line eye. You know, everybody said he was accurate too. The guy cannot throw a pass. There we go. All right, here we go. We're going right, down this. Going, while we're on the subject of ACC football, uh, Kevin. I'm going to go with the cliche question. Is the U back? So the U is kind of never back and probably never will be back. Um, I remember covering the team in 2008 and Macho Harris and him at Virginia Tech. And he literally said the U is back. Like you was talking about the other team for some reason. That was, 2000, that was 12 years ago. And spoiler alert, they're not back. Even when they made the Orange Bowl, they weren't back, right? Like I just know what the program is like. And they're, they're just not at the level of the top teams. But – I've irrationally talked myself into us competing with Clemson this Saturday. I'm really excited about it. I haven't been this excited. The last time I was this excited about a game was 2012. We played Notre Dame and Philip Dorsett dropped a touchdown pass on the first drive. And then we lost 41 to three. And I was so despondent that I was just like, I'm, I'm de-emphasizing Miami out of my life. Like this is, this is not good for me. Like I couldn't handle it. And so I've, I'm now back in the bandwagon. I'm, I'm ready to get hurt. And, uh, I'm excited for Saturday. Yeah. But no, but no, we're not back. We're not no. back. Okay. The, the, the thing about it, the thing about Miami, I remember someone at the years ago, I heard a donor and another Miami person talk about this. And they were like, listen, let's say there's a hundred reasons that a team wins a game. Okay. And one of them is players. The other is facilities. The other is how much you spend on coaching staff or whatever. Right. Miami has the advantage on players almost all the time. But against every other ACC team, they have no other advantage. None. Like, they, they, they don't have the facilities advantage. They, they spend less on their coaching staff. They have no fan support. Like, that's just the way we have 10,000 students. And so it's that's always weighed in my mind as far as that goes. Like, the year we, we thought we were number two in the country, we lost a pit. Like, we're not ever going to be more than a pretty good ACC team ever again. However, we're going to be Clemson. All right. We're excited. We'll be, uh, I'll be rooting for the U. I, I, I want the U to be Clemson. Andy? I, I love that line about ready to be hurt. That's the, you know, that's the ultimate sports fan, uh, you know, where you're vulnerable. You know, that you can either be, there's, you're dejected, you're vulnerable, or you're like through the mood. And uh, there's ready to, ready to be hurt no. is a great feeling. It's not even cautious optimism. It can't be. It's just like I'm either I'm opening up this wound and it's either happening or it's not. All right. Kevin Clark, staff writer at the Rainer, host of the Rainer NFL show on every podcast outlet, I'm sure. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Anytime, guys.